This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And this is Vocal Perspective. Welcome back to another episode of Vocal Perspective. This is Rachel, and I'm here with Amanda, my co-host, and also Shannon McNulty, who is not only the director of Voices Required and the choral director at Marlboro High School, but she is also the director of programming for NAC 2021 and in Blacklight. So she's doing all the things. Uh, welcome, <laughs> Shannon. Thanks for having me. What a pleasure. So I'd love to sort of start off in with, let's start off, I guess, with your work with the uh, Voices Required and what you're doing at Marlboro High School. Sure. So yeah, I've been in Marlboro now for, this is year 13, I think, 12 or 13. I'm bad at math. Um, I married a mathematician for that reason. (laughs) I really, really love it here. So I have two choirs that I direct during the day. I also teach music production, which started off as an acapella recording class in 2012. Yeah. And it's really kind of developed into more of just like a general music production class, but still has its roots in the recording that I learned how to do back in the day when I was in college. You went to Soup to Nuts too, right? Yeah, so did you actually, go to Soup to Nuts with Bill and Deke? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I did Soup to Nuts, and part of the reason I was able to go at all, because it was technically during the school year, was I, I said to my principal and the superintendent at the time that I really saw that model as something that was transferable to a class, that we would have to just take like the week experience and flush it out over a semester of time. Because like, especially at that time, you know, 21st century skills, you know, it was like the big buzzword and also just collaborative classrooms. So it does both of those things. So uh, they sent me and then, yeah, I came back and kind of adapted what I learned there into a curriculum's worth of stuff. So they would spend, where where you did the program too, Amanda, like we would spend a week doing a song. They spend yep. a semester basically doing two. That makes sense though. Yeah. You have a whole bunch of adults working like 18 hours a day and not sleeping for five days. Yeah. I, I can see how you could spread that out over a semester. Exactly. <laughs> and like here, it's like, you know, at that time, our our classes were like 47 minutes long or something. So could you imagine? It's like you just kind of get into flow state and then it's like, <laughs> boop, you know, next class, go to math. And you're like, oh my gosh, but I have all these ideas. Yeah. So it takes, yeah, it just takes that much longer. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Do the choral students get to take advantage of the recording and everything? Do they get to work side by side or is it totally separate? It's pretty separate, but they, a lot of the kids overlap. So they, they'll take the recording class um, if they have an interest in that. It's kind of also meant to be a way into the performing groups for the kids that might be a little scared of that. So they can kind of like get their sea legs under them by working with the computer and kind of developing basic singing skills. And then they'll jump into chorus. But like we've done a couple of things like last end of last year, the acapella choir was working on Omanu Mysterium. Mm-hmm. And so we like tracked the beginning of that and then like threw some vocal percussion behind it and like remixed it. <laughs> it was like only like the first like 30 seconds, but like, you know, they loved that. So just like little, little projects like that. It keeps it interesting for me too. So that's really fun. What do you find to be the most sort of, I guess, rewarding and the most challenging part of being in that role of teaching, teaching kids how to... <laughs> work not just with music, but work with acapella specifically. And are there things that are different or more challenging about it versus like in your in blacklight where everybody is sort of on the same playing field, I guess? Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's definitely kind of depends on which group I'm working with. Mm-hmm. So I have like Voices Required, my, my high school auditioned contemporary group that I co-direct with Caleb Weldon. And like they're all in. They, you know, have auditioned, they're spending after school time, they're planning out sets for any voices and ICHSA and things like that. So they're very committed to like art for art's sake. 
their whole set this year was about gun violence in schools. Which was pretty incredible. We really enjoyed that oh, one. Oh, <laughs> I'm so glad. Yeah, thank you. It was, we're going to be, um, so they're going to be actually making a music video and we're going to be kind of uh, trying to get that, they just want every avenue to get that message out there. So they're, to, to the question, like they're, they're all in. They're like an easy get. They're just very enthusiastic about what we're doing. My acapella choir, same. They're doing more traditional choral literature. And then my mixed chorus um, they are an unauditioned group. So it's a real grab bag. Like some of them come in, you know, with a lot of enthusiasm and desire. Others, it's like, it takes them, you know, a little bit of time to get there. But what's been really nice about that group this year is they had kind of a rough start to the year and then had a couple of key aha moments and have really like turned it around. And they've really committed themselves to like practicing and like like out of school practice and coming in so that rehearsal time can be for rehearsing with everybody and not just like, you know, plunking out parts in the piano and stuff. So they've really, really come a long way. Those moments, those groups are like the ones that I find to be often the most rewarding because you see a shift in perspective. And the thing that I have found joy in for so long now becomes a thing that they are finding joy in. Um, so it's just nice to be able to take something you're so passionate about and then expose that to the students. And now they have something new that they can turn around and share with other people. And so uh, you sort of parlayed that, I guess, into director of programming at Mac, right? Because th it, that is also sort of uh, another sort of festival slash competition slash uh, slash slash. slash. <laughs> it's a big yeah, but there's a big element. educational proponent mm -hmm. to it. There is. It is like... All of NAC is like all of the things for 2021, which is really exciting and also like like five percent terrifying. It's like five percent <laughs> terrifying and ninety five percent exciting. So in the past, I've had the pleasure of being director of education for a couple of different festivals. Any voices I did NAC last year, and I was director of education for the vocal company. So I've always felt very passionately about getting just education out there and like real founded education. So it's not just like, hey, I'm a person that's done things and I'm going to tell you about it. It's like, this is what you can learn from me. Um, and just helping people that haven't been trained in education to be able to deliver that message more effectively. Because um, it really is an art, right? It is. I mean, so many, so many times, like I, I love the festivals and then they get the headliners to teach and you get so excited and they're just really good at what they do, but they don't know how to teach other people sure. to be really good at what they do. Yeah, <laughs> and in their defense, they're not trained to do that. Of course. Um, and it's very obvious, like when you get the instructors that, that are on um, that have that founding in, in, um, in teaching. That's always really, really nice to work with. But it's also really fun. Like, I always wonder, like, when I took over as director of education for NAC, and people were getting emails from me that was like, I'll be needing your lesson plans if they were like, who is this person? What? Is she? what? The what? But like, I really saw lesson plan. I just go and talk. <laughs> I know, I know. But it's it's so important. It's like, and also, it's an opportunity there. You know, not that I'm the bee's knees or anything, but I have experience in developing lesson plans and and helping people you know be more effective in instruction so it's an opportunity to like take this thing you are passionate about and be more effective in delivery so so yeah so i i'm really excited about NAC 2021 because having done just kind of the educational component for such a long time this is the first opportunity for me to spread my wings a little more so i'm not just in charge of education but like all of the programming um, like, so the whole festival, yeah. <laughs> so, um, which is, that's the 5% terrifying. Right. <laughs> so um, I'm working really closely with AJ Marino and JD Frizzell, and we're kind of the core team. And just 
planning everything out. So it's really the whole festival is expanding. We're still going to have the things that you know and love about NAC, the high school showcase, the collegiate showcase, the educational opportunities. So we'll have interest sessions, but we're also going to be offering keynote sessions with our uh, featured educators and headliners. So those will be more of a TED Talk like format, kind of like large audience style delivery, whereas the other classes will be more of a smaller format as, as we're all used to. And then, but on top of that, concurrently, we'll be running a choral festival um, because we are, NAC is technically National Acapella Convention, but we're thinking this is a vocal festival. It is for any and all people who are interested in the vocal arts. So we will be running a, a choral festival. If you are a choral director, you know the format. It's like you bring your choir, you perform three pieces for a panel of judges who will give you recorded feedback and grade you on a rubric, and then you get a 30-minute clinic um, with one of the clinicians that adjudicated your performance. And concurrent to that, we'll be having an honor choir. So yeah, so if you are interested in coming to NAC, but maybe you can't bring your whole ensemble for whatever reason, your students can enroll in the honor choir. Well, they'll get to work over two days with a renowned choral educator. And then at the final concert on Saturday, you'll do a performance of all of that choral literature that you've been working on. So it's kind of like choral festival meets all-state choir meets traditional acapella festival, and it's all going to be in Orlando. So when you're done with all of that stuff, you can go jump in the pool or, you know, go say hi to Mickey Mouse or, or whatever. <laughs> so it's it's really, really exciting. Yeah. And right now we're in like the all cylinders are firing phase of just getting everything going. Yeah, we saw the dates get announced and everything. And I, me personally, like I've been to the, you know, I've been to plenty of acapella festivals, but I've also been to all those choral festivals. And I'm really curious to see how it's going to work from coming from a planning committee that comes from the acapella community. Because yeah, it's I think it's going to be a little bit more fun for the kids. But I'm just excited to see how I mean, yes, you are all our choral teachers. Yeah. And you know, you and JD have choral backgrounds. But I think coming from the acapella perspective, this could be really something new. I yeah, that's that's the hope. It's like, we have definitely reaped the benefits um, JD and I and so many other choral educators that, you know, have hands in both worlds, uh, we've reaped the benefits of both things for so long. And it's just kind of crazy that, you know, if I want to take my choir for assessment, I have to go to this thing. And if I want to take voices required for assessment, then I have to go to this other thing. Cause that's really what it's about. It's like the opportunity to get up and, and show what you've been working on and get feedback as to how to improve. Yes. Cause we're yes. always searching for that. Right. But it becomes a huge time commitment to do that for all of your groups if you have your hands in that many pots. So the hope is that by kind of making it like a one-stop shop, like everybody gets to reap the benefits of everything. And also for people that are a little more, you know, corally minded, they'll get a peek into, you know, what what we do here in the crazy acapella world and and vice versa. If, if you know, a kid has participated in an acapella ensemble for so long and they just duck into the choral festival and watch a couple of groups you know, perform like that's something new for them. So yes, I've always thought of acapella as the gateway drug to <laughs> <laughs> other forms of singing, yeah. more traditional forms of singing. But no, and I think it's just going to be fascinating to have all of these top, you know, educators from the choral world and top educators from the acapella world and just see what happens when they're all in the same space. Like that's super exciting. To me. <laughs> I know, it's just the, the brain trust will be uh, at capacity. Yeah, it's really, really <laughs> exciting. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that you guys have expanded it to this 
to, to this vision? I mean, it sounds like it's been a lot of discussion and work and thought of going towards like sort of a, a vision for the future for NAC. And I'm, I'm really excited to, to see how that plays out. I'm really glad to hear that. It's definitely been, I know that this for a while has been the goal and it's just been like, how, how do we get there? And, you know, it took, it took a couple of years and then taking this year off was key just to be able to really focus on. Cause I mean, if, if you've also like, if you've been involved with a festival or an event that I've put on, you know, that like, I, I'm going to do it right. Like it's going to be like, there's no holes. So <laughs> having, having this year to really like, cross our T's and dot our I's is important. We want to make sure that this first time out is an, like just an amazing experience from top to bottom and that people will be clamoring to come back for year two. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, I think it was a smart idea to take a year off and really take the time to to figure it all out and do it right. I think that's that was a brilliant step. And now, you know, it works out because who would have known what happens know. with anything this spring? Right awful Um, but yeah it's there's nothing worse than having to cancel a festival after working on it for a year plus that happened with any voices i think our second year where there was that huge snowstorm yeah and it was my kids actually bought me a cake because i was so sad (laughs) i can imagine but that's like sorry sorry about your festival (laughs) you guys are the best also give me the whole cake i'm gonna eat the whole cake now. that's right just (laughs) a spoon no place that was my first thought when i saw that snowstorm coming in i'll never forget and i was like oh the poor organizer (laughs) i know and it was like a baby festival at that point too it was Mm -hmm. like real precarious but we are you know any voices is still thriving all these years later so it's all good it happens this too shall pass everybody if you're if you're on the cusp of having to cancel something right now it's gonna be okay yep Yep. <laughs> Everything will come back. We'll, we'll go back to business as usual, we hopefully will. as soon as possible. So back to Voices Required, you know, yes, we were really impressed with the level of thought that went into their set this year. Thank you. How much do they do and how much do you work with them? Like how much input do they have into their set? So at the beginning of this year, they sat down with Caleb. So Caleb does all the arranging for the group and they talked through the arc of what they wanted. And then it was finding the songs that fit into that message. You know, the the crazy, I mean, like we literally just had, we actually just had a, a threat against the school on this past Monday. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Which was, it wound, it wound up being an unfounded thing. It was um, like school went on as normal, but it was very scary. Like like half of our student body did not come to school on Monday. So which, can you blame is, like, them? I mean, <laughs> sorry. Can you, oh, can you blame them? I oh, mean, I know, right? Well, and, you know, it was part of the, it was a real like touch tone moment for the kids because it was like, this is what we've been singing about for months now. This is their reality. I just, I mean, I'm, I'm not that much older than they are, but like, you know, this just wasn't something I worried about when I was in school. And it's a real fear for them. It's something we practice for. So it was just wanting to, wanting to say something about the current reality. Um, not necessarily to take a, a stand one way or the other, but just to say like, hey, everybody, this is this is real. Like this is what we face on the day to day. And we are passionate about, you know, this not being the status quo and get out of the way. <laughs> like this yeah. is we're like this is our future and and you know, we're wanna take control of that. So so yeah, I'm really I'm really proud of them. It's like a very emotionally taxing thing obviously like we we've now performed it twice on stage uh for an audience and both times it was just like by the end of it they were so spent 
because they just, you know, it's so much to, if, if they're going to perform it authentically and not, you know, acting, right? Um, it's just, it's very, very taxing. So, um, but uh, the the best, you know, response, we had kind of a, a rough start at um, ICHSA. There was a, a person in the audience that <laughs> played a, Oh, so at the at ICHSA quarterfinal, someone in the audience, I'm sure, I know it was an accident. They had like filmed, I think, the group that went before them and they must have been like trying to turn their phone off or something, but instead they hit play on the video and it was oh, turned, no. it was turned all the way up, like maximum volume. And the kids already had their mics like up to their faces. So it was like one of those situations where it wasn't just like, you know, like a weird noise in the audience. It was like, this is the key of a song. It's not the key of your song. But and then you have to like keep your key in your head. Oh, geez. Oh, which was really gone good. at that point because yeah. it was it, it went oh, on for like yeah a couple seconds. So it felt like an eternity. But the kids, so they had a really rough start. Um, but to their um, to their credit, they really pulled it back together. And by the end of the performance, when again, like I kept, I said to them, like this was the whole point, right? By the end of the performance, the entire audience like couldn't get on their feet fast enough. Mm-hmm. There were people crying. Someone yelled, thank you, like from the audience. Wow. Like, yeah, it was so, I was like, you did the thing that we set out to do, which was to, you know, change minds and change hearts. And like, <sighs> what more could you want? Like, right. so that's the goal with this. This video is a big undertaking, but the, you know, if they're really trying to get their message out there, I want to try to empower them, empower them to do that. So we're committing the time to making that happen. So, Wow. It's, yeah, it's really, it's really nice to see that from kids. I mean, they're the ones that have to live this every day, the people that are making the laws. I mean, just like you said, we were all in school when this wasn't an issue. Like, yeah. it's. I think unless until you've experienced it and like being here as a teacher, you know, doing the drills and, and like having a day like Monday, it's very eerie and like you get it on a different level. <laughs> right. Because like having to experience it. And I can like I can remember Columbine happening, but... I was almost too young at that point to the process. And then after that, nothing really happened for, for years. So right. it's scary. And, um, you know, in the absence of action at this point, at least, this was, a, I think, a good way for them to express themselves and, you know, kind of sound a call for action. So, yeah. Yeah. Which is one of the best ways to use art. So I'm really glad that they're doing it. Yeah. I just wanted to ask about sort of the last element of our introduction of you, which was Blacklight and where you are with that and how that's going, where Blacklight is these days. Blacklight's great. Um, We are going through a little bit of a transition right now. So our founding member moved to New York. Oh, boy. And, um, we miss him very much, but we've found a, a great beatboxer, actually, um, Juan Lopez. He he graduated from Saugus High School last year, and he's also a member of Upper Structure. Yeah, um, he's fantastic, you know, a nationally ranked beatboxer. And uh, so we're kind of like, you know, still working on kind of honing our sound with him, um, although it's been a pretty, pretty great transition. And yeah, we're just really enjoying singing together. We're going to be working on some recorded stuff um, that we're going to be having. Like, I'm mixing it with um, Christopher Harrison. Really excited about that. He's great to collaborate with. <laughs> yeah, he's great to collaborate with. And I just, I like his approach. Like, you know, as a, as a group that rests their laurels kind of on the beatboxing component, I like the way he treats drums. And I just know that he'll have fun with that. And it will still sound like beatboxing. Right. So that's really exciting. And yeah, so that and we've talked a lot about um, just trying to collaborate more with people from the beatboxing community because that's kind of a, a bit of an untapped area. And the beatboxing community, if 
if people aren't familiar with it, they're, they're all wonderful people, like just really warm, inviting, excited, you know, to just make music and have a good time. So, so we're hoping that we can make some more friends over in that community. So what is it like balancing your <laughs> career as a teacher where you're doing music all day long and then you want to do your own music? Because, I mean, that's a great passion project to have, of course. And, you know, and then you have the rest of your life, like you're a mom and, you know, you have everything else to do in your life. Like, what is that like? Because I know for me, like working all day in music and then going to do music has its own set of challenges. What is it like for you? It does. Um, those of you that can't see anything right now, I'm like holding my face. <laughs> Don't touch your face. You're not supposed to touch I'm your sorry, face. I'm not supposed to touch my face. I just washed my hands. It's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah, it is a lot. I am really, really fortunate that I have a partner who is as supportive as my husband is. He is also a very busy and very gifted musician. <laughs> he makes time out of his week to like come home and like on Tuesdays is his day to like put the kids to bed and I go to rehearsal and you know it becomes really challenging especially like as a music teacher you know I'll have gigs with Blacklight like actually you know like the weekend of Boss which is really it's so unfortunate that it's not going to be happening at the the scheduled time but that weekend initially for me looked like choral festival in the morning Blacklight gig in the evening going to see fork at night like it's just like some days it's like <laughs> yeah you know i'm literally doing all all of the things um but uh tyson my husband is incredibly supportive and he recognizes that it like when we decided to have kids i didn't want to i love being a mom but i didn't want to just be mom i still needed to be shannon so he <laughs> he helps me um he helps me balance that really well and and he he'll be the first person to say like you need to slow down but he's also the first person to be like like you need to go do this so that's really great yeah i mean like i'll be doing music most of the day today and then i get to rehearsal and i'm like okay yeah, you're spent. This like, is for already. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is for me. And, you know, I never realized that when I had a non-music job, like it was like, I was looking forward to rehearsal and it's really exciting. Like, let me start doing music. And now it's like, I have to like pump myself up to mm -hmm. go and do more music, even though I love it. It's like, okay, hold on. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Like, I think one of the, when I was in high school, the band director, and I got into Ithaca and I knew I was going and he, he just sat me down and, and he was like, you need to be prepared to make this thing that you love so much and that you do for personal enjoyment and, and art your job. Like right. mm -hmm. it totally changes the dynamic. And, um, he was right, <laughs> but luckily I was up for the challenge <laughs> 12 years later, hanging in there. <laughs> it's good. I mean, I think I'm glad that that was told to you in high school because so many people get out of school or go on to be music teachers because they love it so much. And then they don't get to do any music for themselves. And that's, that's yeah. a hard transition to make. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's an interesting like sh thing with education too. We talk about this a lot. I was just at all state last weekend and they were talking about this in some of the sessions. It's like, why is it that, especially with high school, it's like they graduate and they leave and they feel like music's done. It's over. Like they don't, they don't feel like they have either they don't have the drive to or they don't feel like they have the tools to do it themselves. And they also like don't seek out community groups and things like that to participate in. Like college is a, is a great step, like especially with all of the contemporary groups that are student run and available on campuses. But in general, it's this, this trend and like, how do we break this trend of like, you don't need me flapping my arms in front of you to make music. 
you have the ability to do it. So like societally, what messages are we sending that are stopping people from from doing that? And how do how do we stop that? So I think about that a lot. I don't have an answer. But I, <laughs> I try every day. Because <laughs> here in DC, and I'm sure Boston does too, we have the choral societies, and we have a whole bunch oh, of yeah. community choirs. But you notice like people aren't joining them until they're 40, 50, yep. 60 years old. 70, because it's 80. like, finally, like, yeah, <laughs> I need to get music back into my life. And it's like, it's totally missing from a lot of 20 somethings and 30 somethings. Yeah, you know, and it's like burnout's real in every in every profession. And I think that, you know, like just so many people feel like if they're not tired all the time and they're not doing it right, they don't make the space in their life to have, you know, just the enjoyment of, you know, doing something for music's sake and not because it, it's like a means to an end, right? Like, you know, otherwise. So yeah, it's like my main, I, I say to the kids all the time, like, I know that I've succeeded as a teacher if you leave me and you can do it without me and you do do it without me. So I hope that that tells them to go do and <laughs> not just because like, even, you know, even if they're capable, they don't always do, yeah. but um, it is nice. You get the emails and like the correspondence of, Hey, I just joined this or, Hey, I'm directing this or, Hey, will you come to this? And yeah, so that's, it's, it's always great to get that feedback and see the kids out there spreading their wings. Okay. <laughs> Shannon, that was just such a, I, I feel like it was such a lovely way to wrap up our time together and such a good message <laughs> to send uh, send out there. And I, I want to say for on behalf of Amanda, myself and Akaville, just thank you so much for, for your time and your insights and for sharing all of that with us. Thank you guys. And we can't wait for NAC 2021. Yay! <laughs> yes. Yes. Everyone come. It's going to be great. So, Rachel, that was a really fascinating conversation with Shannon. We got into a lot of different topics, but I know one really kind of hit home for us. And I know you have some more thoughts on it. So let's get going. Yeah. So one of the things that Shannon brought up, which I thought was really fascinating and a phenomenon that I see and have experienced myself is, you know, in in high school and even sometimes through college, you know, music is something that you pursue passionately, that you have the time and space for. And then we see, we tend to see this drop off of mm -hmm. people pursuing music, even just for pleasure, not for professional pursuit or right. in terms of, is this an avenue I want to like head down for my life, but just as yeah. a, a own, for your own personal pleasure, for your own artistic pleasure. And, and that, you know, when you sort of sometimes, uh, you know, you reach a, a certain age and it, it comes back into your life. And I feel like, I mean, I don't know about you, but my, the ebbs and flow of my life have been such that, so I found in my own life that I had more space to explore the things that were sure, weren't, weren't sureties for me when I was younger. And then as I started to sort of develop my own sort of, not personality, but just sort of like who, fundamentally who I was as a human being outside of under the thumb of my parents, I, I didn't have that much space. I had other things that I was trying to to, to do with myself in my life, looking for a partner for my life and, and then ultimately getting married, having children. And it's so difficult. I mean, one of the questions we ask people all the time is how they juggle it all. And it seems daunting and it can be daunting to, to handle or to, to, to try and mix in all of these different pieces into our lives. And I think that it is part of the life cycle for better or for worse of some people 
that that they lose some of the ability to look for things outside of the sort of expectations that they've put on themselves and that society puts on them being in a family, having a career and all of these other things that they necessarily take a step back from pursuing these personal pleasures until retirement happens and and their children, if they have them, you know, move on, graduate and move out of the house. And then they have more space, more, more mental space, more emotional space to devote to some of these personal pursuits. Right. I mean, I think there's a lot there. For me, I could never imagine my life without music. So literally like every new town that I went to as soon as I was finished with college and collegiate acapella and chorus and stuff, I found a new thing. So it was always kind of part of my life, even for, you know, the eight years or so out of college where it wasn't my job, but I still managed to find a way to make it part of my life. But I think there is this idea, I mean, music is considered a special or an elective in school. And I think once you leave school, unless it's what you've been trained to do for your career, I think it's just like a, well, that was a nice thing to have. Like it was, but you know, you have to be an adult now. And you can't, and it's frivolous perhaps to pursue this thing. Right. And it makes me sad because I hear from a lot of my friends that I was in choir with that who are actually quite good singers. And they reach out to me and they're like, man, like you've really made something. And I'm like, what's stopping you from going? Like, yes, I know I've made this my my job, but you know, there are plenty of ways to keep the music in your life and keep singing. And I wish that people would. I think we'd maybe see less of this decline into depression and anxiety if people had more of a creative outlet and it was more it wasn't treated like it was something frivolous that adults had to give up I yeah I think at least for me which it was why I ultimately ended up pursuing this and looking for this and and searching for what I have ultimately found here with Alcaville which is a way to get back into the the music yeah. So for those of you out there listening that maybe haven't sung in a while and, and know that deep down it's something that makes you happy, there are plenty of ways to get it back into your life. And they don't have to be taxing. It can just be an hour or two a week or even less or more. I think there's plenty of opportunity out there. So just go dive back in. Absolutely. <laughs> 